I just binge watched The Watcher on Netflix. Have you seen this? It's based on a true story. It popped up on my feed as one of the number one things to watch. It's about a family who move into their dream home and once they do, it very quickly turns into a nightmare. The family receives a series of creepy... You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. ...letters and each one getting creepier and creepier. Each one signed by The Watcher. Netflix takes you through twists and turns in the seven episode series. And they did a pretty good job of making you wonder who did what. But at the end of it, you were left wondering, wait a minute, What's real? Is this based on a true story? And what's not real? We're going to talk about that today. And the Watcher, aka the Stalker, has not been caught yet. So now, let's get into it. Netflix launched The Watcher on October 13th. Each of these seven episodes are about 45 to 50 minutes long. The Watcher tells the story of a family from New York who buys their dream home in Westfield, New Jersey. Soon after they move in, these mysterious letters start arriving in their mailbox, leaving the family terrorized and constantly watching their backs. You cannot trust anyone. Now the main characters are Nora and Dean Brannock and they have two children, one teenage daughter and a younger son. They're played by Naomi Watts and Bobby Cannavale. You may have seen Naomi in the King Kong movie or Mulholland Drive. Bobby was in another special which I highly recommend called Nine Perfect Strangers. He was also the voice of Jimmy Crystal from the movie Sing 2. The names are changed in the movie. Their real names are actually Maria and Derek Broadus and they have three children all under the age of 10 at the time. They have one son and two daughters. Derek and Maria had two stipulations for the movie. One, that the characters look nothing like them, and two, that their names be changed. But an interesting fact, the Broadduses actually suggested to Netflix that they could burn down the house at the end of episode seven. The house in the movie is located at 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. On Netflix, the family moved from New York wanting a better, safer life in the suburbs and renovated it while they were living in it. But in real life, the family already lived in Westfield for the last couple years. In fact, Maria grew up there, so there wasn't a move from New York. They bought the house and they were renovating it while they lived at a family member's house, just a few blocks away. So they never actually lived in it, but for good reason. While painting the house one night, they went and checked the mailbox and there was a handwritten envelope for them, signed from the watcher. And it spooked them and it wasn't until the second letter that they made the decision not to move in. And the watcher referred to the children in detail and it really spooked the family. Now, even though the address on Netflix was the same as real life, they actually filmed it at a different location. The house was located in Rye, New York, a two hour drive from the real house. 
It's also much bigger on Netflix than the real one. It's a 10,000 square foot home that sits on 1.25 acres. On Netflix, it was said it was built in 1921, but in actuality, it was actually built in 2016. It features six bedrooms and six bathrooms. It also has a 10 seat movie theater, an indoor basketball court, full gym, a three car garage with an electric charging station, and also six fireplaces. It also features a 70 foot long swimming pool, which was featured in the Netflix show. But the 657 Boulevard house does not have a pool at all. And the Netflix house sold for 4.15 million in 2014, but the New Jersey home sold for 1.35 million in August of 2020. And even though they use the real address in the show, they actually changed the postal code on the letter in the film. And since the series aired, there's been all kinds of people who've been showing up in the area to take a look at the house. And the neighborhood is over it. For the real 657 Boulevard house, it has six bedrooms, four bathrooms, and is almost 3,900 square feet and sits on a half acre as opposed to that 1.25. It's one hour away from Manhattan and it was built in 1905 and the show based it on 1921. And this house features many fireplaces as well. In fact, the Broadus's three kids who were five, eight, and 10 at the time were debating as to which fireplace Santa Claus would use, which is funny because I recently moved into a new home and I have two fireplaces and that's exactly what my kid did was talk about which one Santa's gonna use. Kinda would be interesting to see Santa do the electric one. Now, some other interesting facts about the case. The series highlighted a dumbwaiter in the house. And for those of you who don't know, that's like a little elevator for, you know, food or laundry, that kind of thing. And they also showed a secret tunnel in the house, but neither were in the New Jersey house or the New York house. That was just fiction. It made for some very creepy scenes though. And in the show, the house was listed for 3.2 million, but it was actually bought for 1.35. But with that kind of house shown in the series, 1.35 million would be a stretch. It wouldn't be that believable, especially with that 10,000 square foot house. I mean, you'd assume something was wrong with it, but I guess in a sense there was. The house inherited a stalker. And some interesting facts about Westfield, New Jersey, it's home to the creator of the Adams family. And it has around 30,000 people for population and was ranked as the 30 safest town in America in 2014. There were murders that took place in the 1970s by a man named John List, which we'll talk about in a minute because they included that in the show even though it wasn't part of the case, but it was part of Westfield's history. Now let's get to the letters because they are creepy and they are very, very real. On Netflix, while the family was living there, these series of letters came in and tormented the family. But in reality, as the family was renovating, they received the first letter. And it was only a couple days after the closing of the property. In the first letter in June of 2014, it talked about welcoming them into the neighborhood, which was nice enough, but it quickly turned more sinister. The watcher talked about the house being the subject of their family for decades. Their grandfather watched the house, the father, and then now it's their responsibility is what they said. A few of the lines said, Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. The watcher also wondered if there was more children on the way. They said, was your old house too small for the growing family or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Apparently in this letter, the watcher 
referred to the children by their birth order and by their nicknames and especially honing in on one child in particular. The second letter came two weeks later. Part of it says, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload cartfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. In this letter, the watcher referred to the family by name this time, by their last name, the Broadduses, even though they spelled it wrong. But they knew the ages of the kids, their names, and they also mentioned that they saw one of the children painting on an easel inside of an enclosed porch. And where that area was, was hard to see unless that person was right next to the house. Creepy, right? The letter also asked if the children were scared to play in the basement. The watcher said, I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. The watcher also wanted to know which bedrooms they would be sleeping in so they could plan better. It's after this letter that the kids stopped going into the house. Who can blame them? This is absolutely terrifying. I've had this type of experience with a stalker, only mine went to an internet cafe and would send me anonymous texts. And this was way back in the day when they had internet cafes. And there were a series of them, and let me tell you, it was absolutely terrifying. I did not sleep for months. I could barely talk. I was absolutely scared for my life. Eventually, this guy got caught, but I had to pretty much solve my own case. Have you ever had that experience before? Let me know in the comments below. And I was worried a little bit when I first started the show. I thought, is this gonna trigger me? But it actually was more suspenseful than rather, you know, your pants kind of thing. The third letter came, this time it was about a month after the possession of this house. It read, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. And this came after a contractor's yard sign was actually ripped from the ground and Derek Broadus took the watcher's advice literally. Cause he said, look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Another part of the letter says, the house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. The watcher didn't like all the renovations going on either. In the letter it said, stop changing it and let it alone. If you'd like me to go deeper in the next video on these letters and point out some interesting aspects to them and what I see, put a heck yeah letter below. Another interesting fact is the Broadduses actually had their priest bless this house after all these letters came. Maybe that was successful because they hadn't heard from the watcher in quite some time. But within six months of that first letter, the family tried to sell the house, but they were not successful. They then thought that maybe they could sell the house to a developer and then that developer would tear the house down and they would split the house into two lots. But the proposal was rejected by the board. And a couple years later, it was 2017, while Derek and Maria were still making mortgage payments on this house and not living in it, the family rented the house out. But two weeks after the new tenants arrived, a fourth letter arrived and not so nice things were said. In the fourth letter it read, to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria, you wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me. 
one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be, or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. And it also has a little threat in there. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet, loved ones suddenly die, planes and cars and bicycles crash bones break, you are despised by the house and the watcher won. Now the tenants actually had a clause in their lease that it would let them out of it if they received a letter. But after receiving this letter, they stayed in it with the exception that the Broadduses put in security cameras. And in the show, they did have security cameras installed. So that part is true, but it wasn't until much later. The Broadduses actually did consult with a security expert to see what they can do, but it wasn't installed until at this point, which is unfortunate because maybe they could see the person who, you know, is the common denominator on the street and someone who's watching. In July of 2019, the Broaddus family sold 657 Boulevard at a $400,000 loss. And so far there's been no reports of the latest family receiving letters, although I'm sure with this Netflix series that they might be finding some crazy copycats out there. I wouldn't doubt it. What do you think? But Derek and Maria, when they sold the house, they gave the new homeowners a heads up and they took a picture of the watcher's handwriting and they sent them a note that said, we wish you nothing but the peace and quiet that we once dreamed of in this house. This whole ordeal has tormented the family. Now, something that was really interesting in the show was a teacher in the town gave an assignment to his students to write a letter to a house in the town. He said to find a house that they love and spend time studying it and write a letter. Write a love letter, what you admire, what it would feel like to live in the house. And it was graded on sincerity, one copy to the teacher and one copy to the home. Do it anonymously though, he said, you'll write more freely that way. But the stipulation was it has to be someone else's house. Now this is where it gets really interesting. There was in real life a teacher who in fact taught near Westfield who retired the same month as when the Broadduses bought the home. And he had written admiring letters and talked about this with his students. However, it was a different house in Westfield. And one of the students reported that this teacher once told them that he wrote over 50 letters to the house. And another interesting thing I noted in my research was this teacher's brother lived a half a block from 657. And this brother is an attorney who represented the family before the Broadduses moved into this home, which was interesting. And that family actually received a letter a couple days before they moved out from the watcher, but they didn't disclose it. And the Broadduses had a real problem with that and tried going after them. Now you may be wondering about the other neighbors and characters. In the film, there was a couple named Mitch and Moe, and they were loosely based on the real life nosy neighbors. In the movie, they did this weird cult-like thing of drinking blood of a baby and their son was homicidal. There's some real weird things that happened, but that wasn't real. But what was, and it is kind of creepy, was the couple would sit in these garden chairs and they would face the Broaddus' house. They actually lived behind them. 
And a painter found it really odd because he would work on the house and see them sitting in these garden chairs facing in what was an unusual proximity. But it was also said that there was a minor dispute between the neighbors. It was nothing like what it was on the show, but at one point they were disputing about a tree limb that fell on the fence. And the couple in Netflix was collecting flowers and collecting arugula around the fence. So it's kind of weird things. They were very weird people in the show. There are other neighbors, their names were Pearl and Jasper. They were shown on the show and that was loosely based as well. One of the incidents in the show dealt with Jasper being in the dumbwaiter and scared the crap out of you in one of the episodes. Jasper is described as a mentally disturbed person and there was a person in real life who was described as an odd guy but ultimately harmless and he was a schizophrenic and he was also questioned at first about these letters but then the police didn't find enough evidence to link this person to the crime and then the other person who is Pearl on the show played by Mia Farrow she was loosely based as well on the person and she was also quizzed or questioned but she was also ruled out. Now I mentioned earlier about the murders by John List and he was a serial killer from Westfield. He killed his family in 1971. Now in the movie, he sat down in the Brannock's house, the character's name in there, and he made himself a sandwich while talking to Dean. And he said he was an inspector. It was pretty creepy. You, you kind of wondered, was he a ghost? Was he like, who is this guy? Is he the Watcher? But this case had nothing to do with the Watcher. It was interesting, as I said, that they tie in a bit of history because it did happen in Westfield. And it was said that in real life, John List also sat down and had lunch in between the killings of his family. He also took pictures of himself and he would rip his head out from these pictures before he fled. He then created a new life in Denver. He used an alias and he even got married again. But almost 20 years later, the story then aired on America's Most Wanted and he was caught and he was sentenced to prison for five life terms. He died in 2008. There was also in the film a man named Dakota, a 19-year-old guy. And he was a security guy who helped the family out, but that wasn't really true in real life. The Broadduses did talk to a security person, however, it was how to protect the house. In the show, the security guy uh, ended up being a gamer and his gaming name was The Watcher. So there's aspects of it that was true. And like the show, it does give us some more plot twists. But in the real life investigation, the Westfield police checked out a suspicious vehicle that was camping out on the side of the road in front of the Broadduses for a couple hours or several hours. And there was a woman behind the wheel who said her boyfriend lived in the same area or in the same road and he was a gamer and his character was also called the Watcher. Now I've read that um, the this person was with the boyfriend at the time. I also read that he wasn't with them. And then I also read he lived on the same road and I also read that he lived not on the same road. So there's conflicting reports. But the man agreed to be questioned and he didn't show up for two of the interviews. So he bailed, but the authorities said there wasn't much to go on in this lead and they decided not to pursue it. Weird, right? Then comes another character named Theodora in the film and she was a private investigator in it. The Broadduses did hire a private investigator, but it wasn't like Theodora, who was a jazz singer turned private investigator and was battling cancer. So the 
private investigator they hired was a former NYC police officer. There were others in the show too, the realtor who's a woman, a disturbed actor who lived in the house and was telling all these types of stories of what happened to him and he was tormented. And the detective was also included in the show and these were all figments basically of the creator's imagination. It gave them license, it made the show really interesting but this was not real life. And while there could be so many possibilities, the family did suspect a neighbor at one time. There was also the aspect of the historical society, which there is a very active historical society, it said in the town, but the neighbors next door weren't part of it, whereas in the film they were. It says that the society only got involved when the Broadduses attempted to tear down the house. They were trying to fight it. Now, one of the really surprising things in real life is that they have DNA from the envelope of whoever licked the envelope. Now, is it the watcher or did they get somebody to lick it? Who knows? But it was of a female and typically we see this, in my opinion, from a male, this type of behavior. Not to say that females don't, but um, this kind of thing is interesting to me that it ends up being, or possibly ends up being a female. Was the watcher female or was the watcher a male? Who is it and what do they want? This case still remains unsolved. Maybe they'll solve it now. If you'd like to see the letters, let me know below. You can check out the playlist right here. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.